Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoyed this message from Daniel Hagen. So with our, our team during the year, we pray, God, what, we look at the calendar, we say, God, lead us, what do we do, what time, what date, and we really felt this time was supposed to be a time where we really bring impartation, empowerment, equipping in, on the subject of divine healing. Healing's a big topic. I'm not going to be able to cover everything. But if you look at the ministry of Jesus, and hopefully you all want to look at the ministry of Jesus because he's the king and he's the best at it, and uh, he invites us to look like him and invites us to follow him and imitate him. But when we look at the life of Jesus, uh, healing was a big, big deal. Like everywhere he went, he healed the sick. And those signs and wonders, those miracles accompanied the preaching of the kingdom or the preaching of the gospel. And so uh, we don't want to back away from it. We don't want to forget about it for sure. We want to keep pressing into it, leaning into it. And so uh, we're hitting many of our locations. Last night we were in Hawthorne. It was a packed hall there in Hawthorne. Lots of hungry people coming from all over the place around the city areas. And they were hungry. And so we saw some healings. I had Chris and Jess operating in words of knowledge. So the supernatural was very evident in, that, in those meetings. Plus, uh, we taught to equip the saints to take it out. We don't just want to see healing inside the meetings or in a conference or in a, an arena. We want to see it everywhere. We want to see the kingdom released everywhere, anywhere, anytime, and not through one or two, but through you. Amen? And so uh, why don't you just remind the person next to you that you're called to release healing to the people around you. John 10.10 says, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus comes to bring life and life more abundantly. That's a really good place to start. That's great. We've got a few cheerers here. Hey, in our 9 a.m. service, um, I talked about the part of the, the Jewish Hebrew tradition when they were in the synagogues, they rolled out the scroll and you know how like we like to shout sometimes and we praise and the high praises of God during the worship when the, the band's playing? That's all good. I love that. I like to, get a, like to be a part of that myself. But um, the Jewish culture and the Hebrew culture, when they rolled out the, the scrolls, the Word of God, like the Torah, uh, the books of the prophets, they rolled it out and they got so excited and they would shout and they would praise every time they rolled out the scroll. And so at, at Hawthorne, I was saying, wouldn't that be cool if we... Uh, and this morning at 9 o'clock, wouldn't that be cool if every time, like, the preacher said, okay, we're going to go to the Bible now, let's open our Bibles, because we should have more of that maybe happening in churches. Like, let's open up our Bibles. Amen? Yes. Yes. We need to celebrate. We're going to have a party. Get the whistles out. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love it. And so we open it up. And we just shout because we're excited that we're, we esteem the Word of God. We love the Word of God. The, we know the Word of God is God, is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Where's that found? John 1.1. One, one. Good to see how our pastors know the, know the Bible there. What about verse 14? Yeah. Tabernacle, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's how we know that the word is Jesus, because Jesus became, God became flesh and uh, dwelt among us. Amen? 
Torah, 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 I heard down the back. Bible, Bible, Bible. So, um, the Bible's good. <laughs> yes. I'm glad I'm in the right place. Awesome. We've got, got some happy people when we talk about the Bible. Mark 1, well, I'm going to give you plenty of it today. Mark 1, 28. <laughs> I've given Nevin a reason to blow that chauffeur even louder. Awesome. Actually, they probably would have had the chauffeurs too happening. All right, so um, the context of Mark 1.28 is deliverance, healing, freedom. Jesus was ministering, not just talking, but demonstrating. Devils were getting cast out. You know, there really are, there really is such a thing as an unseen world, an unseen realm, and evil exists there really is a battle between light and darkness. Praise God, we're on the, we're on the light team, we're on the winning team. And because uh, actually darkness in itself doesn't really even uh, exist. It's just the absence of light, even from a scientific point of view. And it's the same. Wickedness is just the absence of love. It's just the absence of God. So it has no power. It just tries to corrupt things and twist things. It has no creative power. God's the creator. He's the author. He owns everything. He's, he's the boss. He's, uh, he, he's so loving. He's amazing. Um, but he also knows a lot better than us. And so that's why I want to make sure I know the Bible because that's his word. And, uh, and humanity stuffs things up. Yeah, we try and do it our way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to hell. And, but God's way is amazing. And God's way doesn't change. You know, in this political correct culture, like, have you noticed how quickly things are changing over the last 10 years? I don't like it. Uh, but the Word of God stays the same. It just stays the same through consistently. It stays consistent right throughout all different cultures, through different generations. The Bible, the truth stays the same. And I'm sticking with Jesus. Amen? So I'm going to give you three really important things about divine healing. So we want to pray for people today. I heard another testimony that a young boy got a hold of the message, a teenager, in between, after the service, out in the foyer, got a word of knowledge for a person that he didn't know with a shoulder injury, laid hands on him, and he got healed in between the service here. He's got a hold of the teaching, and that's what we want. We want people being equipped and then taking it out and saying, yeah, this is true, this is real, I put my trust in God, my trust in His Word, and I'm not just going to be a hearer only, though. We're not hearers only deceiving ourselves, but be ye doers of the Word of God. That's when it really matters. And that actually shows that you really believe it is when you start doing it, or at least stepping out and trying it. Amen? Once you start trying, you'll start learning, and then you'll actually be able to, to do it. Does that make sense? All right. So the first point, number one, God is more than willing. Why is this so important? Well, we're, we're taught that miracles and healing happen through faith. Would you believe that? Faith is a belief. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I'm so glad that you're here this morning hearing the Word of God. Faith doesn't necessarily come by having heard something in the past. You've got to be fresh. You've got to he keep hearing it. Keep renewing your mind. Faith comes by having, sorry, faith comes by hearing on a continual, ongoing basis. That's why the Bible puts the onus on us and says, put on the mind of Christ. 
how do we do that? One of the ways, or we worship, but one of the ways is by getting in the Scriptures, by getting in the Word of God, by loving the Word of God. And not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday night in the small group, uh, not even just a little Scripture that you get on your devotional app. That's good, but it's got to be more than that. To be honest, if I'm not in the Word at least a half an hour, an hour a day, like not YouTube, not someone else's preaching, but just the pure Word, I start getting a little bit rocked in my soul, in my emotions, my thinking, thinking, thinking. I need the Word of God. And, uh, and I've been doing it for a while now, so if I know I need it, I'm, I guarantee you that anyone in this place needs the pure Word of God in their everyday life. And, uh, then that's how, and also I'd encourage you to read through the Scriptures, like pick a book at the moment. Uh, Chelsea's back from Scotland, by the way, everybody. Praise God. I've had the kids for a few weeks, and it's been school holidays. But I just thought of that because we've been going through 1 Timothy, and I'm trying to teach the kids uh, about like reading the Bible and studying the Bible uh, and not just picking out or cherry-picking a few scriptures, you know, the nice fluffy things, but actually going through the whole book and getting the full counsel of God. That's how we grow in maturity. We get the full counsel of God, and we understand every aspect of God's nature, the teaching, the correction side of things, the justice side of things, the love, the mercy, the compassion. We need the full counsel of God. And so to do that, all of us, we, we can't just rely on a Sunday sermon, amen? We've got to have it in our everyday life. And we can't just have the Word without the Spirit. We need to be worshiping and drinking of His presence, because too much Word and no Spirit uh, there's a saying that you dry up and, and too much spirit with no word and you blow up. And I tend to agree with that to a degree. Even though we like blowing up for Jesus, amen? But like in a bad way, blow up. So number one, God is more than willing. I'm going to take you to 3 John chapter 1, verse 1. 3 John chapter 1, verse 1. It's a, it's a good culture. If we can like develop that and work on that, it's good. Celebrate the Word of God. The elder, so this is the Apostle John writing to the church. Please understand if you're new to this, or even if you're not, um, let's remember that when we read the Bible, and particularly this passage here, the, the context is, yes, the Apostle John writing to Gaius, but the reason it's in there for us now is to understand that the very words that are written to Gaius at that time are also for us now. Because this truth then is the same now. Because Jesus doesn't change the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you're with me on that, just give me an amen. I, I want to know that you're with me. Because that's a simple one. I think we should all agree on that. So the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Check this out. He says, beloved, verse 2, I pray that you may prosper. I'm just going to stop there for a second. The Apostle John knows a fair bit about praying, right? Knows about the will of God, knows about theology, hanging around Jesus. You think you know a few things. You probably want him running your prayer meeting. Uh, if you're going to have a prayer meeting, because he knows what to pray. And he knows the will of God. When we pray, we're supposed to know what the will of God is, because we pray not for things for our own selfish gain or selfish benefit. God's not going to grant those prayers, but he will grant things according to his will. So if you want to pray in line with God's will, you've got to know his heart and you've got to know his word. John knew his word because he was with him. 
And so John here is praying, and he's not going to pray anything outside of God's will. So let's look at what he's praying for, and then we can understand the, the will of God. He's saying, I pray that you may prosper. I don't know how it got twisted, but the word prosper somehow in some circles of Christianity, a dirty word. Oh, the prosperity gospel, they're the prosperity teachers. Well, yes, it, it can be something that is missed, misused if you're trying to prosper for your own selfish gain. But let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's quite clear here that God wants you to prosper. But we call it prosperity with a purpose. When you align your life with the purposes of God, He's going to cause you to prosper so you can get the job done. That prosperity looks different for everybody because we all have different giftings and different calls and we've we've all got different areas to impact. But prosperity is not a bad thing. In fact, it's the will of God that you would prosper. Check this out. Verse 2, I'll read it again. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Everyone say all things. There's no debate. Around what things? All things. So if you're ever wondering what to pray for in terms of you being prosperous, pray for all things if it's in line with the will of God and the purposes of God. So what, are, what is the will of God and what are part of the all things? It goes on to say, and be in health. He wants your flesh prospering. He wants your body to prosper. He wants your body to be in health going to be tough for you to complete your mission if you're sick all the time. So he doesn't want you sick. He wants you to be in health. Amen? Just as your soul prospers. So that's the main point I wanted to bring out, that it's the will of God that you would be in health. Number one, God is more than willing. I want to teach you that. God is more than willing, and I want you to understand that so that when you uh, when you're believing God for healing in your own life, you don't need to question the willingness of God. And when you're praying for others, you don't need to question the willingness of God. He's absolutely willing that people get healed. Amen? I want to take us now to Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to, I'm going to invite three guests to make their way to this just little front area as we dive into Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Levin, what happened to that? That sounded like, I don't know what that was, a dead animal. Let's try that again. Matthew 8, verse 1. Yes, all right. When he had come down from the mountain, (laughs) great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if... You are willing. Here is the question around God's willingness. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. And he said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I want to invite Jess, Chris, and Chelsea to come up. All right, so here we have, sometimes we do a few little visual skit type things because it helps people uh, with revelation to see it sometimes. So here we have Jesus number one. Everyone say, hi, Jesus number one. Jesus number two. Hi, Jesus number two. And Jesus number three. Hi, Jesus number three. 
We all know there's only really one Jesus, right? One God. But uh, there are counterfeit Jesuses. Did you know that? In fact, specifically, the Bible says there's another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit, and warns Christians to be careful of counterfeit uh, religion. In fact, there are many counterfeit religions all around the world. It's one of Satan's greatest tricks to set up fake religions, counterfeit religions. A lot of people question if there is a God altogether because they say, well, there's so many religions out there. How, how do you know your God's God? And all religions lead to, to heaven. Satan does well in setting up fake religions. The Bible says that Lucifer, the devil, masquerades. One of his roles, one of his jobs, one of his strategies is to masquerade as an angel of light. So on, even on the, on the surface, it can even seem good, but it's to lead you away from the Jesus. It's to lead you away from the way, the truth, and the life. And so that's why it's important that we know the Word of God so that we're not seduced or tricked into a false Jesus. All right. So here I am, I'm the leper, we just read that passage, and uh, I'm going to go to Jesus 3 first, we're going to work out, you know, I want you to, let's work out who we want to follow. Hi Jesus, I, uh, I've got leprosy, um, most people kind of don't really want to be around me, I feel like I'm an outcast, but I did hear a couple of rumors, and in fact everyone's talking about it, that there's this guy Jesus around and, and people are getting healed, so I just thought, if you're willing... Could you heal me as well? Uh, no, I'm actually teaching you a lesson. And uh, you haven't fasted or prayed enough. So um, about 2021, you're going to get healed. Oh. Okay, so you're teaching me a lesson. Okay. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Great lesson that one is, yeah. All right, let's try Jesus number two. So I'm the leper. Here I come. Jesus! Um, this is the most excited I've been for years. I've had leprosy, and everyone around me rejects me. I feel like such an outcast. But for the first time in a long time, I heard some good news. I just heard a rumor. I don't know if it's fully true, but if I heard that there's people getting healed, and if you're willing, can I be healed? Uh, I'm pretty busy. I mean, I've got these 5,000 people following me around. But just because you're so excited, this is fun time. Oh, I'm willing. Thank you so much that it's just this one-off occasion and that I'm someone special today. That you granted this just for this moment. Thank you so much, Jesus. Praise God. All right, let's try Jesus number one. I'm the leper. Hey, Jesus. Uh, just be careful, careful, careful. You'll get, you might catch it. I got leprosy. Everyone's running. Like even the priests don't want to go near me. Ah! Hey, uh, I heard a rumor that everything, like the people talking about healings, and this guy Jesus of Nazareth is is uh, involved in it. And I heard you were here, so you, I've got leprosy, as you can see. But I, if you will, if you're willing. Um, I don't know if you are, I heard that maybe sometimes you are, or that sometimes maybe um, you teach people lessons with sickness, but maybe in this case, if you're willing, could you heal, heal me? Of course, man, I'm always willing. I love you, man, it's my pleasure. Be healed in the name of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
the name of me. I love it. Jesus number one, everybody. All right, so will the real Jesus please stand up? Which one do you want to follow? I got number one. I want him. But is that a Jesus that we're making up because we think it's better, or is that a biblical Jesus? Let's have a look at Matthew 8, 2 again. It says, and behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing. Now, his response is, I am willing, be cleansed. Now, in the English, it doesn't give us much more data. It could possibly be like Jesus too, saying, yeah, okay, in this case, I'm willing. It's more like because you came to me, but, you know, it's not always the case, but I'm willing. But if we unpack the original pointing in Greek word for willing, we'll find a word that is ethelo in the original language. And you can see the nuances and the, the full definition of that word, willing. And it's quite interesting. You'll see here it says it's his choice, but not only his choice, it's his preference. He takes delight in it. He loves to. It's his great pleasure. And it can be literally translated like in a continuous sense that he is always willing that's the meaning of the word, I am willing, ethelo, in the original language before it was translated. That is the will of God, and that is powerful. That's Jesus number one. That's the dude that we follow. Be careful of anyone else that teaches any other thing that brings down the power of God. There's this group out there called Calvinists, and they got some things right, but they got a lot of things wrong too. And they teach that the atonement is only for the chosen few. There's another group called cessationalists and believe that the gifts of the Spirit, healing, have passed away with the apostles. They still believe in salvation and they're still Christians, but they, they've thrown out a lot of the supernatural. And often you'll find them attacking Pentecostals or attacking this message of faith. Be careful of anyone that says that God only heals sometimes, anyone that says uh, God's atonement's only for the chosen few and his sovereignty. That is so contrary to the nature of God and to the Bible. If you're going to believe that stuff, you've got to rip out a whole bunch of pages about healings and miracles and make up your own Bible. I'm sorry to be so strong on that, but I just, it's so devastating, those doctrines. I love them as brothers and sisters, but that aspect of it is ah, crazy because the Bible's so clear. Amen. So number one, God is more than willing. Number two, it's in the atonement. I'm going to invite our um, ushers to bring up our communion tables in this moment if you can. Number two, it's in the atonement. What, is that? what does atonement mean? Maybe there's some people here and you're not fully understanding what atonement means. In a simple way, it means the action of making amends for a wrong. In a religious context, this is the English dictionary, some of the uh, descriptions here, it's repairing something that was broken through sin. It's also the reconciliation of God and mankind through Jesus Christ. So there's, there's a lot of different nuances and, and aspects to the atonement. Jesus paid the price at the cross at Calvary, not only to get you into heaven, not only to remove your transgression and sin, which is a very important part, not only so that you would have eternal life, but also that your body would be healed now in this life and the one to come. And that you would have peace in this life and the one to come. 
It's not just the one to come, it's now as well. He absolutely wants you in peace, in a holistic sense, body, soul, and spirit. He wants you well and healed. He's willing and it's in the atonement. How do I know that? Why am I so confident? Because the Bible says so. (laughs) And if the Bible says it, then you should be confident in it too. And when you are confident in it, then you can pray from a place of faith and victory, knowing it's the will of God. And when you pray with faith, you'll see it come to pass. And it's an absolute. The Bible is absolute. In this day and age, that absolute message gets persecuted because everyone has their own truth. Have you heard that saying lately? You have your truth, brother. I have mine. I'm glad it works for you. You can't have five different truths. I'm sorry, like, the world is going crazy. There's two genders and there's one truth. I'm sorry. Oh, Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Yeah, sorry, let's do that again. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Many of us as believers, we have no problem around that. We understand the message of the cross in terms of freedom from sin, forgiveness, the removal of, of transgression and iniquity. But sometimes we forget or we don't lean into or we don't believe with as much confidence that he also went to the cross and paid the ultimate price, that the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, those, that brutal beating that he took was for you. By his stripes, we are healed. In a physical sense, not just physical, but certainly a part of that. Many people argue, well-meaning, sometimes well-meaning, sometimes not so well-meaning. Christians say, oh, no, brother, can't be so absolute with that. Um, that word healing is more a spiritual thing. It's not physical healing. And they, they bring this interpretation or they bring this spin to try and back away from having absolute faith in divine healing. So... What do we do? Do we just kind of argue and, and then hope that we, kind of, that we have the truth? Or is God pretty good at being able to make it absolute? What do I mean by that? Well, there's a, there's a word called hermeneutics, and it means the principle of interpretation. The Scriptures are not for private in, in interpretation. I shouldn't be here teaching and just bringing you my private, personal interpretation. I need to have studied this out if I'm going to teach it and make sure it lines up systematically with what the whole Bible says from Genesis to Revelation. I've been looking at this thing for 15 years now and the different nuances and the different areas around divine healing because there's so many different winds of doctrine around us, so many different opinions, even in the Christian circles. And one day this scripture just jumped out at me and it was, it was the Bible itself, it was Matthew himself bringing an absolute commentary on Isaiah 53.5. You know what I mean by that? Scripture interprets Scripture. So I can have a hundred people argue about the definition of Isaiah 53.5, but if another Scripture comes along and makes it 
absolutely clear, then it's done. And why is it important that it's done? Because then you can, you can, have, you can be grounded and founded in that truth. And then when you pray, you're not going to be shaken. You're on the rock. Every wind of doctrine tossed to and fro. We're not like that. We're solid on the Word of God. We believe that healing is absolutely in the atonement because God said it, and God doesn't lie, and He doesn't change. Amen? So Matthew 8, 16 says, When evening had come, they brought to Him many who were demon-possessed, and He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all, everyone say all, who were sick. Verse 17 says, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Here we go. This is Isaiah 53, 5. Specifically, Matthew is bringing his understanding and his commentary around the definition of Isaiah 53, 5, specifically around by his stripes we are healed. And he says this, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Healing, in Isaiah 53, 5, when it says, by his stripes we're healed, without a shadow of a doubt, it's talking about your physical healing in this life. God's more than willing. It's in the atonement. It's settled. It's done. And finally, number three, is it God's timing? This is the other question that comes up. His will, it's in the atonement, it's clear in the scriptures, but what about the timing? 1 Peter 2.24 says, <laughs> Woo! who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Peter's recognizing that the provision for healing has already been done at the cross of Calvary. What about the life of Jesus? Matthew 4.23, for example. Luke 4.40, for example. I'll go to Luke 4.40. says, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases, everyone say all, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on some of them and healed some of them. Because it wasn't the timing for all of them. It doesn't say that. I hope you're checking out your Bible. Don't just believe what I say. Jesus healed everybody all the time. I challenge you to find a spot where he didn't. Or he turned someone away and said, it's not my will. It's not my timing. Now, I want to follow Jesus. Jesus invites me to follow him. I want to learn from him. He taught the disciples to do the same thing. He expected the disciples to do the same thing. And then he said to the disciples, go into all the world and teach all nations to observe all things that I taught you. That's not just about righteous living and holiness, although that's super important. It's also about the supernatural aspect of his life. Yes, Jesus was God, but he taught the disciples who weren't God to do the same thing, and they did all throughout the book of Acts. And it's happening now in modern day history. And he's inviting all of us, not just the John G. Lakes, not just the Smith Wigglesworths, not just the Heidi Bakers, everybody to enter into this supernatural life, to live in that freedom for ourselves, and see others set free. 
Now, I base what I believe on the Word. My experience hasn't always lined up with this truth. So what do I do with that? For example, when I first started out learning about this, I reckon I prayed for 100 people, and one person out of the 100 said that their headache had been healed. And I remember thinking, they might have even just trying to make me feel better. I don't even know whether it was healed. I was really in a place of like, what is going on? It says it in the Bible, but I'm not seeing it lined up. I remember being tempted with the possibility of not, of kind of changing from this absolute faith that I'm reading in the Bible and backing off from the whole topic of healing because I'm not seeing it. I'm still hearing about it from time to time from others, but I'm not seeing it myself. And so I remember thinking, I'm, I can either back off from here, change what I think, change my doctrine, or I can keep fighting and keep believing because I knew deep down that power hasn't passed away with the apostles. God is, and, and I had seen major, major breakthrough in my own life when I got born again. So I was really messed up and I, I saw healing in my own life. So I had that to kind of bank on. But I remember taking a week off work. I remember reading a scripture where it says that the disciples couldn't cast out the devil. They couldn't heal one of the boys. A father came to the disciples and uh, the, the disciples couldn't heal the boy. So they had to bring Jesus. And Jesus healed the boy, but he went on to say, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. And I remember reading that and saying, okay, so the disciples are learning. They're not seeing the results all the time, but Jesus is giving them instruction on how to see it done. So I took a week off work and I thought, I'm going to pray and fast. This is before I was in full-time ministry. I'm going to pray and fast. And I had a slab of water and I just went into prayer and saying, God, I want breakthrough in this area. During that week, I walked to the NAV bank doing everyday stuff. Went to the bank, and when I went in there, there was a guy from the old nightclub days that used to DJ that I used to work with. And I knew him. I said, hi, and I, I realized that he had this shoulder injury, and he was a mountain bike racer as well. So he fell off, broke his collarbone. It was meant to be like a seven-week injury, from what I remember, and it was up in a sling. And I said, can I pray for you? He later told me, said yes, but he thought I was going to go home and just say a nice little prayer at home. So he kind of freaked, he knew I was a little bit out there anyway from the old days, but he kind of freaked out when I put my hand on him in the middle of the, the bank and prayed for him. These days I get him to test it right there and then because I've seen so many miracles, but at that time I was like, just prayed, believed and said, God bless you man, walked away. He texts me the next day. And he said, bro, bip, 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 or bleep, bleep, bleep in the text message. I don't know what's happened, but I've, it's the first time I've been able to sleep for three weeks. I've slept like a baby. And then three days after that, he texts back to say it's completely healed. I'm back up on my mountain bike and, and racing again. And it was supposed to be a seven-week injury. Glory to God. So I remember... That was such a, like, it felt such a release. It was like, yes, it's real. I know the Bible says it, but now I've seen it. And after that, it started to really, once I, once I saw it with my own hands, then it really started to take off. But I had to, I had, there's a thing called fighting the fight. It's the good fight of faith. Amen? And I feel this is prophetic for some of you. I, I probably should have finished this message around five minutes ago, but I'm here for some reason in the middle of the room. 
And uh, but I feel maybe it's for someone here, like press in for this. Yes, it's by grace. Yes, it's by faith. But God invites us to press in. And the Bible says God fills those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. We've got to be hungry for it. We're not to forget the benefits of God who heals all of our sicknesses, forgives all of our iniquities and diseases. So number one, who remembers that? Willing. Number two, it's in the atonement. Number three, yeah. I'm going to invite everyone to stand at their feet. We're going to have communion together and then we're going to go home. Is my mate Kieran here? Just come over here, Kieran. So it's not always easy, this faith journey, especially when you believe like I believe. Last year, I lost my uncle to cancer. It was difficult. And, uh, but the good news is I went in there. It was around the time that Jeff Jansen was here. And I went in with him and, and Rob DeLuca, went into the hospital. And when we went in, he... He was like in and out of consciousness, but he, he woke up. He must have heard the footsteps. And he said, oh, sorry, sorry. And he said, I was just in heaven. He said, I was just checking out some of the rooms in heaven. And, uh, and that encourages me. He didn't get healed. In some ways, I feel like we lost the battle. But because he's born again, he's now got a new body in heaven. And we still win. Jesus is still king. Here we have Kieran who come into church as an unbeliever. Had been given, is it 12 months to live? Six months to live. But he, I think he'd heard about healings. He'd come into church inquiring and a number of people prayed for him. He had 12 legions in his liver. And the doctor said, there's no more we can do. Six months to live. Comes in. Gets healed, by the way, it's well over six months now, it's years, two and a half years. No sign of cancer. And now he's born again, worshiping God, and, and he goes down the streets now and prays for other people. That's a fight. We don't base our theology on a couple of setbacks. We've got to, Jesus is the mark, we keep going for it even if we don't see it every time, amen? And they took your kidney out. Wow. It was all, over, all through your body. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, there's so many testimonies, so many amazing things which many of you guys know about. So I want to invite everyone to come forward and uh, let's partake. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.